It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, your host, Evan Sattery, here on a Tuesday night, joined by George Bremer, the Colts beat writer for the Herald Bulletin. George, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. Hey, really appreciate you coming on tonight. As always, and our listeners always enjoy having you on here, George. And we're going to talk tonight about just your overall thoughts in the offseason and then dive into some Twitter Tuesday questions from our listeners they always enjoy asking you questions there on Twitter, George. But let me get your thoughts because I've had you on here in a little bit about how the draft went because I think it was pretty a uh, really best-case scenario for the Colts for how number 20, 21 overall went for them. I don't think – I never expected Quiddy Pay to be there at 21, George. I mean, what about you? Were you shocked when you saw Quiddy Pay on the board there? It seemed like with the next pick series, the Colts were pretty shocked themselves. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. They were uh, almost celebrating uh, – you know, it, it seemed like even as the picks were ticking down there, just the fact that he had made it to like 17 and 18 even. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. Um, I didn't have him on any of my pre-draft stuff because I just frankly assumed he wouldn't be there. Um, and I think the Colts were overjoyed, obviously, that it happened. Um, Adangbo was a surprise too, just because I don't think many of us thought that they would double up uh, in the second round. But I think that's another chance where they're looking at a possibility of getting two first-round picks this year. Uh, and I think given the fact that if all goes the way they hope it does, uh, they'll be giving up their first-round pick next year to Philadelphia. You know, I I think in some ways Odangbo is a chance to to make that up, you know, get two this year, and and then it evens out. Um, In a draft as a whole, I mean, it it was surprising that they didn't address left tackle, Um, but that that is keeping in – with the way that Chris Ballard has has operated his entire time that, that he's been here. You know, he's not going to reach. He's not going to force a need. Uh, and the board just didn't fall in a way where they felt like there was value at, at that position when they were on the clock. Uh, and so, you know, it, it fell the way it did. Yeah, I think it really was a best-case scenario for them, especially in round one to get Quiddy Pay to replace Justin Houston. He's going to add a lot more explosiveness and juice off the edge for that Colts team. Him and DeForest Buckner, this is going to be very fun on the left side of the defensive line. But as a whole, George, what was your opinion of the draft getting, like you mentioned, Pay and Odengbo? Hopefully the Colts, as their new edge rushers, Odengbo more so like a Danico Autry type, Pay really maybe their first true edge rusher. I mean, he's their highest drafted edge rusher since Dwight Freeney, so that really says a lot about, about Pay, but – you also see Kylan Granson around for the highest drafted tight end in the Frank Reich era, Sean Davis in the fifth round, who could, who could battle for a uh, third safety spot in the secondary, and some other depth pieces in the sixth and seventh round. Sam Ellinger was kind of a surprise pick at quarterback in the late sixth round. Overall, what was your thoughts on how the draft went for them? Yeah, I'm really intrigued with Granson just because it's obvious, again, from that next pick series, just how excited Frank Reich is about that pick and the fit for him in the offense. So I, to me, body wise and, and what you see on tape, he's faster 
but I, I, the first thing that come to mind for me is, is Trey Burton. And I know they use him in a lot of different ways. You hear that Granson played in the backfield. You know, he might line up at fullback from time to time. It sounds like he's going to have a, a similar role to what Trey Burton had a year ago and, and, and probably a more athletic version of Trey Burton. So, uh, you know, I think that's an intriguing pick for those reasons. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in the seventh round receiver, Michael Strawn, uh, simply because you don't find very many 6'5", 226 guys who run as fast as he does or as strong as he is. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of potential there. It's obviously not a situation uh, where, where you're expecting a lot immediately. There's a reason that, that he lasted until the seventh round. Uh, but the mix there of size and, and athleticism, I think is very intriguing. It'd be fun to see how that plays out. And even with Ellinger, you know, surprised that they went quarterback. But at the same time, I think to a certain extent, Ballard is going to subscribe to the draft a quarterback every year theory. Um, and I think, you know, obviously there the, the intrigue is, does he eventually become a Taysom Hill type of guy? I don't think that's a year one possibility. The first thing he's got to do is, is learn the NFL game and make the roster. Uh, but, you know, with his running ability, uh, is he a guy that they could bring into a specific set of, of plays and, and use him in short yardage and maybe goal line situations? We saw that something that Frank Reich is interested in doing last year with, with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I think that's a role that Ellinger could have down the road. Uh, with Sean Davis, as you mentioned, a, a really hard hitter. Um, they were looking for that guy in free agency. They, they brought in another Sean Davis, uh, but I think he might be more of a free safety type. This Sean Davis, he's played both uh, free and strong, but I think he's going to be that sub-package, extra linebacker type of guy, hard hitter, uh, has a nose for the ball. I think he had five interceptions at Florida, so uh, I think they see a lot in him as well. Now, as always – uh, there, there's obvious reasons that they took these guys. They, they see good fits. Now they got to go out and improve it on the field. Moving over to Eric Fisher now, George. A big signing happened on Monday for the Colts, getting former Chiefs left tackle Eric Fisher. Obviously, he tore his Achilles in the AFC title game, so they're not going to rush him back. He might be a player who starts on the pup list this year, and Sam, Sam Tevy could be the Colts starting left tackle for the first month or so. But the upside there with Eric Fisher, obviously, George is immense. He's a top 10 left tackle in the NFL when he's healthy on a similar tier to Anthony Costanza. They're pretty similarly graded, too, over the last three or so years, according to Pro Football Focus. What's your opinion of going the direction of Eric Fisher? Obviously, the connection with Chris Bauer from the Kansas City days, but it seemed like to me the upside there, even on a one-year $9.4 million deal, if he does play well this year, George, this could be the Colts' short-term fix at left tackle for the next two or three years. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the fact that they signed him to a one-year deal, to me, was telling that they, they think he's going to be able to play at least a significant amount of this season. If you thought he was going to miss the majority of the year and not be available till December or something like that, I think you'd sign him to a two-year deal and try to make sure that, that you get that value on, on the back end of it. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. The interesting thing about that to me, um, you know, obviously he's got the connection with Chris Ballard, who was there when the Chiefs took him number one overall in 2013. But it sounds like this was really a move uh, pushed by Frank Reich, you know, that, that he really wanted to get this done. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting sign, too, just because – uh, it's telling about what Reich sees in him and, and, and his fit in this offense. Obviously, they had to do something at left tackle. Uh, as we talked about earlier, it just didn't fall that way in the draft. And it honestly sounds like there weren't a whole bunch of guys that Chris Ballard saw as true left tackles in this class. So, you know, part of it was the way the board fell, and part of it was the, it was a limited number, a more limited number than I think we expected going in uh, to begin with. So, I think with Fisher, they were able to get a guy who's obviously proven 
uh, that he can play at a high level, two-time Pro Bowler, over 100 starts in this league. Uh, the faster he can come back, the better. And I think with Tevi, you've got a guy that uh, can hold down the fort for a month or so. And I think that's why he was brought in. You know, he was going to compete for that job. But had they drafted a rookie, he would have been a guy who could hold that job for a month and let that rookie get up to speed. Uh, when you bring in a veteran like this, he's he's going to be able to, to, you know, at least allow them to sleep at night until Eric Fisher's ready to go. Uh, but I think it was – to me, it was a really smart move and a really good move given, you know, the way the free agent market fell. They end up with one of the better guys on the market. They get him at a bargain basement price, really. Uh, and now the only question is when's he going to get on the field? Looking at the offseason as a whole, George, I mean, we can go even all the way back to the Carson Wentz trade, the Colts trading away. More likely not a future first-round pick in next year's draft, plus a third-round pick this year. Get him as your new quarterback to replace Phillip Rivers. You have Anthony Costanza retire. Eric Fisher comes in after the draft to replace him eventually. And you have Trey Burton out the door. In comes Kylan Grants in the fourth round of the draft. You keep T.Y. Holden, Xavier Rhodes, Marlon Mack, and more others around for continuity and also just to keep some explosive pieces on offense. And you also just look around this roster and see just a lot of improvements. Like Quiddy Pay is a home run hit, I think, at 21 overall in the draft. Dio Dangbo even with the Achilles injury, if he does come back around, it sounds like the Colts are just infatuated with his potential, George. He could be a huge hit for them as well. As a whole, George, looking back in this whole offseason, how would you grade it for them? Obviously, to see what happens on the field here in September, but based on what I've seen just off the roster balance, and especially at offense and defensive line, a lot of depth there. We, I think it's fair to say, George, that maybe offensive line depth cost him a game or two last year with any Costando's nagging injuries. I think just looking across the board here with the depth pieces they've added and also just the key moves they've made across the board the last few months, this has been a pretty solid offseason for Chris Ballard. Yeah, and they had a lot of work to do. I mean, I think that's one of the things we talked about it back as far as January. You know, arguably the three most important positions on the field, they had to fill them all in one offseason, quarterback, left tackle, and, and edge rusher. Uh, you know, and there's still some questions. I mean, nobody's sure what exactly Carson Wentz is going to look like. Uh, and, and how that's going to play out. There, there's obviously optimism that when he gets back with Frank Reich, that that's going to be something that's good for both the player and the team. But there's there's no guarantees. There's very few guarantees in, in life anyway. Uh, but, you know, there's there's still some questions there. There's some questions about, you know, when Eric Fisher will play and, and what level he'll be at when he gets here. And and certainly having the two rookies on, on the edge, you know, when will Odango be able to get on the field and, and when will – you know, how quickly will Quiddy Pay be able to, to get to a point where he's a major contributor? Those are all legit questions. They're all things that we'll watch play out. But to get the talent level and the potential that they got at those three positions to do it all in one offseason, that's pretty rare. And I think it's a really good job by this team. I probably give them a, a B plus, A minus right now uh, because there are still some questions uh, with each of those guys. Uh, but they did it without, you know, sacrificing a lot of future picks. They did it without – really uh, handcuffing themselves in the salary cap. They, they did it in a, in a pretty natural way. Uh, you know, the, really the only thing they gave up in the future is the pick for Wentz. And if you can get a quarterback, a left tackle, and two defensive ends, and, and that's all that really you, you mortgage moving forward, it's a pretty darn good offseason. Last one here for you, George, before we dive into our mailbag for Twitter Tuesday. Looking at the infrastructure now around Carson Wentz, you obviously sign Eric Fisher. You have the weapons. I think the Colts are very high on what Michael Pittman Jr. can do in year two. Paris Campbell, if he stays healthy, T.Y. Hilton obviously is a mainstay there. You have the running game with Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, and Marlon Mack returning. 
I think everything around them too. I mean, you can even toss in the defense now with, with the improvements they made over there, adding in Quiddy Pay and keeping around Xavier Rhodes, for example. It seems like the infrastructure is in place really in Georgia. Carson Wentz can bounce back. This Colts team could be really fun to watch here in 2021. Yeah, and I think that was the the frustrating thing when when Andrew Luck retired. You, you could see things coming together, and Chris Ballard's only added to that group. You know, since then, uh, he, he's focused on those lines. Both the offensive line and the defensive line are probably in the best shape they've been in years around here. Uh, the depth across the roster is, is really good. There are questions. I mean, as you mentioned, some guys need to step up and and, and fill roles, and guys need to to reach the potential of the Colts see in them. But you know, there's a lot of reason to be excited about a guy like Michael Pittman, for instance. He hasn't done it yet uh, consistently in the league, but you watch that Buffalo game, and it's easy to see why the Colts are excited. Paris Campbell stays healthy; he's going to be a big piece of this offense. You know, I think T.Y. Hilton's going to look like a different receiver this year. I, I honestly do, just because. I think Carson Wentz is going to be much more willing and able to throw that deep ball than has, has been the case the last couple of years. And really the feeling was this was a, a roster that was a quarterback away from serious contention. So it all really comes down to Carson Wentz. A lot of really good things are, are in place for this team. And if he can go out there and play like an upper division quarterback, if there's any reason not to be excited about the prospects for 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball scenes in full swing and track all the action over at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. Before the next pitch, over to Bet Online, your laptop mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sell on signs anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use mobile device right now, sign up today, and you'll see your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, it's fifty percent of your first deposit with Bet Online with the promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's dive in now, George, to our mailbag. A lot of great questions here from the listeners, so I appreciate it. Let's dive into the first one here, George. A couple questions here on some very intriguing players here. One entering, I think, a prove year with where we'll start off with is Rocky Sen. Uh, we have one here from Bam and also one as well from Steven asking about Rakia Sen. Do you feel like he's locked into that CB2 spot, or do you expect a, a training camp battle between him, Marvell Tell, and TJ Carey? Because I think it's fair to say, George, in the latter parts of last season, that TJ Carey did outplay Rakia Sen. It's a huge year for Rock. I mean, that's probably the big question on defense right now is that CB2 spot. How do you see it playing out for Rakia Sen in 2021? Yeah, I think he's in a very similar situation coming into this season that Tyquan Lewis was in going into last year, where there were questions about, you know, why did you not make that leap in year two that, that you would expect to see from a player? Uh, and I think it's going to be a very similar role for him. You know, if he can come out, Tyquan Lewis responded the way the team wants him to respond. He came out and probably had his best season as a Colt. There's still room for him to grow, obviously. Uh, but he played well enough that he'll probably be the starting defensive end opposite Quiddy Pay to at least start the season. You know, Rocky Sin's going to have to prove the same thing. He's going to have to have a good training camp, I think. I absolutely agree with you. 
that T.J. Carey was outplaying him down the stretch. And, and in my mind, T.J. Carey might be the front runner for that role going into the season because of that. I mean, yeah, you know, Rocks is in. They, they have the investment in him. Uh, and I know he's going to be given every opportunity. But if you're just looking at the way they finished last year, I would think T.J. Carey's ahead of him on the, the depth chart. We'll see how that goes. Marvell Tell, to me, is one of the most interesting guys on the roster. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times, a couple of different places this offseason. Uh, him opting out last year, you know, we don't know where he's at, but there were flashes in that rookie year. He's big, he's long, he's athletic. He has a lot of things that they want to see from cornerbacks in this system. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly he can kind of get into the flow of things again, get back into football shape and, and make an impact. But I definitely think that's a three-way competition. And I don't think it's I don't think it's close to a lock for Rocky Sin. I think if you put Chris Ballard, if you connected him to a lie detecting machine, he would, you know, he would say he wants Rocky Sin to win that competition. I think the defensive coaches, everybody involved wants to see Rock uh, get to that place they think he can be and, and, and win that job. Uh, but it's absolutely not going to be handed to him. And I think they've got options there. And I think it will be an open and, and fair competition. Next question here is about Kylan Grants and George. Uh, a couple here from Kent as well as Bryce asking about Kylan Granson for 2021 and beyond. Sounds like he actually turned some heads this week at rookie minicamp. I think he sounded like he performed pretty well there. What's your expectations for Kylan Granson in 2021 and long term? Because obviously it sounds like from the with the next pictures like you mentioned earlier on the show, George, this is a Frank Reich pick. And the last couple of Frank Reich picks we've heard about, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, Expect to play a big role in the offense here in 2021. Granson probably takes that Trey Burton role, playing around 30% of the snaps each game. But he's, he's a very smooth route runner. He's a willing blocker. Fits the Colts' character to a T as well, George. What's your expectations for Kylan Grants entering the 2021? Because this rookie class, honestly, outside of Quiddy Pay, Kylan Grants might be the, the last one there that could be a heavy contributor. Yeah, I think he's the last guy that will be uh, a big year one contributor for this team. <laughs> Uh, when you look at, at Granson, you know, he was a receiver his first two years in, in college. So he's got all those receiver skills that, that you like to see. They can line him up all over the field. We talked about that earlier. I think one of the underrated things with him is his football intelligence is off the charts. He's a very, very smart guy. Uh, I think that's something that they're going to use. But I also think that he's, he's at the right position in the sense that that's a really good tight end room still. You know, it's easy to forget about Noah uh, Tungiai. He's a guy who were really, really uh, high on when they brought him in from Philadelphia last year. He's another kind of blocking specialist kind of guy. And so I think they each have their roles. You know, Jack Doyle is going to be Jack Doyle. He's going to go out there and, and be that third down guy and be the security blanket for Carson Wentz and blow people out of their shoes in the run game and just, you know, be Jack Doyle. Uh, but I think Mo Cox was showing that he can be a, a deep threat. And I think you're going to see more of that just as – it's the same as I said about T.Y. Hilton. I think Mo Ali Cox is going to benefit from, from Carson Wentz being back there, taking more chances, giving him more shots down the field. I think those guys give uh, Kylan Granson the chance to kind of grow at his own pace. He can come in, have a very specific role, even have a very specific set of plays that they want him in on, learn those things, get really good at those things, and then in year two build on other things. I think it's a perfect situation for a rookie to come in on. Like you said, maybe about 30% of the snaps, play him a little bit in the backfield, line him up in line, spread him out a little bit. Uh, you know, I would expect him to be a red zone target. We've seen that with all the tight ends uh, since Frank Reich's come here. And I think it, he's, he's just a good fit for the offense. But I also think it, he's coming into a really good situation because he doesn't have to go out there and be a Pro Bowl starter in, in year one. Jack Doyle's going to do his thing. 
Mo Ali Cox is going to do his thing, and Kylan Granson can just kind of fit in where he fits and learn as he goes. Next question here is on another tight end, like you mentioned there, George, Jack Doyle. And this one's from BZ asking about Jack Doyle's future with the team. He played a limit, more limited role last year, more so a blocker than he was a pass catcher with Phillip Rivers. Obviously, Molly Cox broke out a little bit last year. They draft Kylan Granson. Do you expect Doyle to kind of be just more in that blocking role like he's always been, maybe less targets here in 2020 with all the weapons they now have on offense? And I've heard whispers, it sounds like from Stephen Holder, uh, about a month or so ago, this could be Jack Doyle's last year before he retires. He had do that, does have two years left on his deal. The last year is non-guaranteed. Do you think we could be seeing the swan song year for Jack Doyle, George? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he's been beat up. You know, there's no doubt about that. He's had uh, multiple injuries. Just about every part of his body has been affected at one time or another. He's a super tough guy. Uh, but at some point, you know, how much are, are do you want to keep going out there and doing that, especially when you look at a guy like Andrew Luck and, and all of his teammates talk about how happy he is and, you know, T.Y. Hilton kind of joking that he can't even talk to him that much anymore because it's going to make him want to retire. Now you see Anthony Costanzo make that decision. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Jack Doyle makes that call. Uh, but I definitely do think he's going to be more of a, of a blocker. I think that's where his best strengths are right now. And I think he's going to still be that intermediate short yardage guy. I mean, he's a guy that, that you feel really comfortable with getting the ball to him on, on third and five, third and six. And I don't think that's going to change. Uh, he's not suddenly going to become a, a slot threat or anything like that. But I think Jack Doyle is going to continue to be who Jack Doyle is, that reliant, dependable, tough tight end uh, that every team needs. Next question here, George, looking over the mailbag, is from at Bleed, Blue Bleed in, and he's asking about the defensive line room. They obviously made a signing today with Antoine Woods, the former nose tackle for the Cowboys, has a lot of starting experience. It looks like they have around like 12 to 14 guys in their roster right now who could be battling for spots. I think with the, how much depth they have, George, it could be about nine or ten guys make the roster here. And he's asking, do you see any surprise cuts happening? Like maybe they – like maybe one of Taylor Stallworth or Antoine Woods is let go or – Maybe Ben Banigou's cut doesn't come up to, to his production in year three, or maybe one of Isaac Rochelle, Al-Quiddy Muhammad, maybe doesn't make it through camp. Are there any names on that list, George, for the, the loaded defensive lineman right now that could be a surprise cut come training camp? Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be at least one guy and probably more than that who, who fans know, who they've seen play good football, uh, who, or at least the, the team has invested in something fairly significant in who's not going to make this team just because of how deep that group is. Uh, it's been that way the last couple of years, really, where you feel like the defensive line group is the one that's going to be the toughest to make the roster at. Uh, and, and I definitely think that they're, that's where, if there's a surprise cut, there seems to be one every year, that's probably where it's going to come. I don't know at this point how big of a surprise Ben Banigou will be, but I think that he's the guy that I would be most concerned with looking at it. Uh, and a lot of it depends on how quickly Isaac Rochelle can step in and, and, and be the guy that they think he can be. You know, some of that's going to depend on how quickly Odangbo can – can come back and, and what feeling they have on that as they get to the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, some other guys in that mix, like Alkun and Muhammad, you know, can he continue to play at the level that he's played the last couple of years and, and force the issue? Uh, but Banigou had a really rough training camp last year. A lot of people didn't see it, obviously. It was a weird training camp. It was only at the complex. We only were out there for about two weeks. It was, you know, really, really, really small window compared to, to years past. Uh, and so you don't want to make too much of that small sample size, but he struggled a lot during camp. He lost a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles. He just didn't make a lot of impact. I'm assuming that continued during the season based on the, the playing time that we saw him get. 
Uh, and Chris Ballard has been pretty open with the fact that it's a make-or-break year for him. You know, he's got to do, again, similar to Grover Stewart and Taekwon Lewis the last couple of years, guys who really made that big jump uh, in year three. Uh, I think Ben Banigou's got to be one of those guys. And I think they have, they're in a position right now where if he doesn't make that kind of improvement, it wouldn't be surprising if he's you know, left out of the mix. George, 22 straight years now that the Colts have had an undrafted free agent make the roster. And Elliot's asking about which undrafted rookie has the best shot to make the roster. We know it happens every year. They actually cut one of them today. Anthony Feller, the linebacker at Liberty, was cut today. I think they make room for Antoine Woods. There's only four left. I think it's the shortest ever in Colts history for undrafted rookies they're bringing on board here. What name or two off that short list do you like the most to possibly make the roster? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's going to be really hard this year. I'm not sure that the, the streak's going to continue. The, we just talked about the defensive line room and how tough that is. Almost every position on this team, it's going to be tough to make that team. I think there's going to be guys cut who go on and, and play significant roles with other teams. You know, I think it's going to be hard, and especially for the undrafted guys, it's going to be hard. The two who stick out the most, uh, probably Deion Jackson, the running back, because it just gave him a big signing bonus which always tells you you know, a lot about what they think of him. He chose the Colts out of 25 teams uh, that he had the opportunity to, to, to join after the draft. I think that also is, is telling that at least he believes that there's opportunity here. Uh, you know, Whether or not that's a situation where he makes the practice squad this year and, and kind of hangs around that way, and, and then there's an opening next year, because you don't know what's going to happen at that roster. It's a deep group right now. But I think we'd all be surprised if Marlon Max back another year. You know, he's likely to get – if he stays healthy, he's likely to get a long-term deal somewhere else. Uh, there's a chance they'll move on from Naeem Hines or from Jordan Wilkins or both of them, depending on, you know, how the season plays out and how the salary cap breaks down. I know that there's talk about giving Hines a long-term deal, and they like him a lot, so he could be back. But the fact of the matter is probably at least two of the four guys on that roster will not be there in 2022 – uh, so the question with, with Deion Jackson is, you, do you like him enough that you cut one of those guys? You know, does he beat out Jordan Wilkins? Does he make the roster right away? Do you carry five running backs? Uh, but I think he's got a shot just because they obviously see something in him, and he obviously felt comfortable coming here. Uh, the other guy's Tyler Vaughns, who's just been ridiculously productive at USC, but there's questions about his effort. Uh, he's going to have you know, that's one thing here that, that's just not tolerated. You know that with this coaching staff. Uh, you know, he'll be gone in a minute if, if that continues to be an issue. Uh, but at the same time, this, this is another receiver group that, that's a lot deeper than I think people think. It, it's not top-heavy in the terms where there's two, three, four guys who have a lot of production who you feel 100% are going to be big-time players this year. But there's a lot of potential. We talked earlier about Pittman and Campbell. Zach Pascal's done nothing but get better every year, do everything this team's asked of him. Uh, and then you look at, at the bottom part of that roster – you know, I think Des Patman's going to be an interesting guy this year coming back from, uh, you know, a redshirt season more or less last year as a rookie. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he figures in the mix. We talked about Strawn earlier and his potential. So it's going to be a tough position group to break into, but Vaughn's has the kind of college production that at least catches your eye and should give him a chance. Colts fans, rockauto.com is the place you want to go if you want to save money on your next car purchase. I've used it so many times already for my car. It's had a couple of issues here and there. And so have a lot of listeners around the Locked On Podcast Network. They're a family-owned business serving all of our customers online for the last 20 years. And they have everything from engine control models and brake parts to tailless motor oil and even new carpet. They have an easy catalog you can easily navigate as well that you can go and browse whatever you need. Go to rockauto.com right now see the parts available for your car or truck. 
write locked on in the how'd you hear about us box so that locked on Colts sent you over there. Again, write locked on L O C K E D O N in the how'd you hear about us box so that locked on Colts sent you over there. A main selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Colts fans go to rockauto.com right now. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Next question here, George, is from Christian asking about Marlon Mack and his potential role in 2021. Obviously, he was re-signed in a one-year, $2 million deal. How things have changed in a year, George, after that Achilles injury. Jonathan Taylor breaks out in the last part of 2020. Naheem Hines is obviously a big focal point in the passing game. We know Jonathan Taylor really needs – he's like a high-volume running back. Where he, the, the more carries he gets, the more better he gets later in games. Do you think Marlon Mack has a real chance to, like, split those carries, George? Or do you think it's more so just he might just be a change of pace guy gets a couple touches per game? And I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. There's no doubt that the Taylor showed his year went on that he's that workhorse guy. He definitely does better with the more carries he gets. Uh, but that being said, that's not really been Reich's style. And the league really has it's kind of shown that you need two running backs. You're not going to very often get through a year with just one free featured back anymore. So I think that Max is going to be given his opportunities, and I don't know whether that will be specific series here and there. might even be a matchup thing. There may just be some opponents where they feel like his skill set uh, just is a better fit that day, that Sunday for him. I think it's a good problem for the Colts to have. You know, if you're sitting there and you feel like you got two guys who could rush for 100 yards every week and you're just trying to figure out how to work them into the game plan, it's probably a headache that a coach would, would very much welcome. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with that running back room. It's obviously loaded. Like you mentioned, maybe Deion Jackson beats out Jordan Wilkins. Maybe Marlon Mack plays more of a bigger role than we expect here in 2021. It's going to be so intriguing to see what happens there. But next question here is from Silent Spirit, and he's asking here, George, about he feels the one missing piece on defense is adding in another veteran cornerback. He feels like this is the Super Bowl window now, adding in all these pieces, getting Carson Wentz, he bounces back. What's your thoughts, he's asking here, George, on Richard Sherman? He's kind of been on the market for a little bit. Do you like the potential of adding in another veteran like Richard Sherman to the room with Xavier Rhodes? Or do you feel like more so it's probably more realistic to say that probably we're going to be having that cornerback two battle between Rock, TJ Carey, and Marvell Tull and training camp? Yeah, I think it's probably more realistic that you're going to see those three guys going for that spot. I think Sherman is a fit in the terms that they, they like the same kind of style of corner that, that Seattle's used big physical guys that's obviously Richard Sherman uh, but I'm not sure how much he's got left in the tank at this point I think he's 33 I want to say uh, you know and they're even other teams are talking about bringing him in or talking about bringing him in as a kind of a depth piece and you know I, I'm not sure that that's what the Colts are looking for right now they've, they've got depth at that position they've got good competition you never say never and I think it could be one of those situations where you see how training camp plays out if there's an injury uh, you know something unexpected occurs you never know. We've seen that in Indianapolis probably as well as anybody around the league, that, that understanding of, you know, things happen and unexpected changes. But the way the roster is constituted right now and, and the way that competition set up, I think they're going to go with what they got. And I think they feel really good about the situation as it stands right now. Last few questions here for you, George. Appreciate the time as always. 
Uh, one question here is from at just call me Zach asking about Quiddy Pay and his potential to be defensive rookie of the year in 2021. I think it's fair to say he's a favorite. I think yeah, last time I checked, he's like number three or number four overall in the defensive rookie of the year odds in Vegas. He's going to be playing a lot of snaps. He's going to be a day one starter in this defense replacing Justin Houston. Clinics to Forrest Buckner, George. Do you think there's a real chance he could be a big beneficiary of that? Maybe get some big numbers in year one and be a, a rookie of the year favorite. I mean, he feels like a really good fit for this scheme, and I think that's where it all starts. When you look at his athleticism and his ability to to, to play multiple positions, which it sounds like the Colts aren't going to ask him to do, and that'll be interesting to see too because at Michigan he played all over the line. The Colts have pretty much at this point said, look, we're going to put you right in. We're going to tell you to go get the quarterback, and you focus on that and, and nothing more. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting to see what that, how that results with him. It's all there on paper. When you look at, you know, his testing numbers and, and you look at his size and, and his speed and all, all the pieces are in place for him to be a really productive player. It hasn't happened yet at the college level for any number of reasons. Uh, I know that uh, Chad Henry, the area scout, was saying, look, Michigan scheme, defensive linemen just don't put up big numbers. You know, he's, he's been going there since 2016, and there's really one guy, Chase Winovich, who had, like, eye-popping numbers, and he said that was just because he was a psycho. He was chasing down every play. Quiddy's got a little bit of that in him, too, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think when you put him next to DeForest Buckner, as you mentioned earlier, when you have a guy like Darius Leonard playing behind him, it's a really good situation for a young defensive end to be. And I think the Colts are going to really simplify things for him, give him a really uh, specific role. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he has a really, really good season and gets his name into that conversation. Question here from Mac about Carson Wentz, George, asking about what his potential ceiling could be in 2021. Obviously, a really, really bad year in 2020, why he left Philadelphia in the first place. But from 2017 to 2019, had a four-to-one touchdown ratio. And Mac is asking here, George, what do you think is the potential for Carson Wentz if he does fit in Indy and that connection with Frank Reich rekindles and they can recreate some magic? What's the potential ceiling for Wentz and the Colts in 2021? I mean, we've seen before his ceiling is MVP level. You know, if he can get to that 2017 level, then you're really talking about this as a Super Bowl roster and, and anything's possible for this team. I think it's more realistic that he'd be in that 2018, 2019 range where he was. He played really well down the stretch of 2019 to kind of pull that injured roster over the finish line and, and into the postseason for the Eagles. I think that's the Carson Wentz that the Colts believe they can get. I think that's the one that they're hoping for. And that'll be one that puts them right into contention in the AFC. Uh, but we have seen in the past, it's not a projection. We've seen him go out there and play at an MVP level. He did it with Frank Reich as his offense coordinator. That's his ceiling. Uh, we'll see how far, how much that he's able to get back to in a single season. Last one here for you, George. Appreciate the time. And it's a question from Bobby Covington asking about He's going to be visiting Indianapolis this year for the first time to go to a Colts game this year. And he's asking for a couple of rush recommendations from you, George. Uh, obviously, and from Anderson, I mean, I, I went to a training camp a couple years ago, and the lemon drop I think is very underrated, George. That's a really kind of a hole-in-the-wall place. It's really well-known there, but really good food from what I remember. Any other recommendations, George, around the Indianapolis area or suburbs that you think could be a really good place to hit up for the first time? Now, you definitely got to hit the lemon drop if you're here in Anderson and Gene's Root Beer. Uh, those are those are our two institutions up here. So, you know, if he wants to come about an hour north, there's no doubt, you know, that those are those you can't go wrong with those choices. Uh, you know, everybody talks about it. I honestly have never been there yet, but I and I and it's on my list. Uh, but you know, everybody's gotta go to St. Elmo's, right? Everybody who comes in, everybody who visits, 
uh, it's it's high end. That's why I haven't been there yet. <laughs> but I think it's anybody visiting Indianapolis. It's kind of a must see, must must eat event there. Uh, I would say aside from that, um, you can't go wrong really in downtown Indy. I, I know that it's kind of a, a, a silly thing to say, but I think it depends on what your personal tastes are. But I feel like that's one of the things that that makes Indianapolis a great downtown these days. There are literally dozens of good places to stop and eat. For me, I would say Brewburger. I mean, just off the top of my head, that's one of my favorite places to go up by Mass Ave. Uh, and also the Eagle, which is a fried chicken place, but it's the best fried chicken that you're ever going to eat. Uh, so I think those two up around Mass Ave would, would probably be my two favorite places. But I honestly think you cannot go wrong with, with that. The great thing about downtown Indianapolis is you can walk all over the city and just about anywhere you stop in and eat, you're going to be really happy you did. George, hey, this was so much fun. Really appreciate coming on tonight to go through our mailbag and talk about the offseason so far. If you're not already, go and follow George on Twitter if you're not already, at GM Bremer, and go read his work, as always, over on the Herald Bulletin. George, appreciate the time tonight. No problem. Thanks a lot, Evan. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.